Welcome everybody to the Bridge Builders Community Church Sermon Podcast. You are listening to one of our messages from our weekly gathering. We hope you sit back, enjoy, and be blessed. say about this wonderful woman of God, and that's the first place to start. Uh, her boldness and her love for Jesus has always impressed me from the, from the first moment that I uh, met her. Uh, but the most, I, this is, this, you think I have a lot of ideas and, and sometimes wild ones. Uh, she is the Mary Poppins of ideas. <laughs> I, I mean, she's got this bag and, you know, oh, you got, oh, yeah, I got an idea for that. And I got binders and I got, you know, she's got everything. She's got, she's Marvelous, creative, powerful, uh, just a, a wonderful person. But here's the thing that I, that I, when I think about you, Jewel, I think about this, that you're a shepherd of hearts. That's what I see. Uh, these wonderful nieces of yours who I've gotten to know too and a blessing they are to you, but the, the shepherd of hearts that you've done in their lives and others uh, when you do all kinds of your creative stuff. So... Uh, let's welcome Jewel as she comes and shares the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. I am honored to be here. I want to thank Jay and Christine and the Bridge Builders Church for having me here today. Let's start off with the word of prayer. Lord and our God, we thank you. For all that you are, God, we thank you for this opportunity to come before you to hear your word, Father. God, I give you all the glory, all the honor. I ask you, God, that you would prepare the hearts and minds of your people to receive this word of yours, God. I pray, Lord, that you will use me, that you will use my, use my words, Father God, to be a blessing to them. And have your way today and always in Jesus name. Amen. So three words before I get into the message, before I get into the message, platforms for progress. So those three words God dropped into my spirit earlier this year, I want to say. And so Dwayne and I have this business called Blueprint Consulting. And I love the work that we do uh, working with at-risk youth and for nonprofits. And so when the Lord said platforms for progress to me, I automatically thought, okay, well, God is saying that he wants us to use our events and the various activities that we do as platforms for progress and progress in different ways. Um, I don't know about anybody else, but sometimes um, God just speaks to me at really random times. <laughs> so I'm cleaning my room, and God says to me, you still think that I want you to create platforms for progress, but I want you to be a platform for progress. 
So I was like, okay, I'm not really sure what that means <laughs> or how to do that. So when I first received the Jay's request to speak today, it caught me really off guard. Uh, but I told him that what I would prayerfully consider it, and I did. And I went to God, of course, but I was pretty sure that he was going to say that I wasn't yet ready for a platform like this. But before I could fully get the question of should I do it out of my mouth, he said yes. <laughs> to which I responded, okay, then I need you to tell me what to say. So knowing this series topic, do you see what I see? Seeing Christmas with fresh eyes. Um, I thought about the various characters and I said to God, which one do you want me to consider? Which character's perspective do you want me to consider for this sermon? To this, he replied, Satan. So I opened my eyes. And I looked around my room and I thought, clearly this is one of those times where I thought I heard you, but I don't think I'm hearing you clearly. Because Jay, in his email that he sent to me, mentioned like Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, you know, the the good characters. (laughs) So I said, so I don't think I heard you. And he repeated himself and he said, yes, I said, Satan. So as if that wasn't enough, when I heard, when I read the key scripture that he gave me, I said, so did you talk to Jay? Because I don't think you guys are on one accord about the way that this message is supposed to work. And so begin my journey in pulling together these pieces. So I just wanted to start off by saying that this is not me. And by the end, if I have single-handedly ruined Christmas for you, (laughs) it's not me. I'm just (laughs) saying what he told me to say. So, okay, I will start. Uh, So one day the Lord asked me if I knew the difference between a fact and the truth. Realizing that I didn't, he had me do like a brief study of the two. A fact is basically something that exists or is present in reality. These are things that can be seen visually, and these are things that can actually be verified. It's not just something that you believe, but rather these more or less are things that could be observed empirically or by your senses. So facts can be seen and heard as well as proven by other senses. The example that God gave me for this was the sun. Most people know that the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. When you say that the sun always rises in the east and sets in the west, you are stating a fact. But that is a fact for you because we are in New York. So to us, that is the truth. However, most people don't realize that the sun only rises due east and sets due west on two days of the year. That's the spring and the fall equinoxes. On other days, the sun rises either north or south of due east or sets north or south of due west. And beyond the Arctic Circle, there will be some times of the year where the sun stays in the horizon for all 24 hours. So a fact can be seen and proven by the senses, but the truth exists regardless of your experiences or your senses. 
So if you change your position, your perspective, and how you see things, how you see things will change as well. Why did I tell you that? So there's this phrase that's trending that I think was started by some millennial. And uh, <laughs> and it just really irritates me. And it's this phrase, it's live your truth. They're like, you got to live your truth, man. Like just your truth. And it just really irritates me because it assumes that one person can have ownership over the truth or that there's various types of truth when that's not true. It's not true at all. So what happens to what you see or to what you believe to be a fact when your position or your perception changes? So with that thought, I want you to consider with whose eyes do you see this season? We're going to look at three different perspectives, and by the end, you can decide. What is Christmas about for you? While preparing for this, I came across some information about what has influenced our Christmas season, and I learned some really interesting things. Centuries before Jesus walked the earth, the early Europeans in the North Country celebrated Yuletide. Around the winter solstice, men would drag home the largest log they could find and set it on fire. It was said that each spark from the flames represented a calf or a pig that would be born in the spring. This has resulted in the Yule Log TV program that many people watch on Christmas Eve or on Christmas Day. People also dragged into their homes evergreen trees. They were said to be the only plants that could survive rough winters and were a symbol that proved that life persisted even in dark times. Later, in an an attempt to merge this tradition with their faith, Christians added apples to the tree to represent the Garden of Eden, which later turned into ornaments that now adorn your lovely Christmas trees at home. Around the same time, Saturnalia was an ancient Roman festival in honor of the, their god of Saturn, whose name meant plenty, held on September 7th, December, sorry, December 17th, and with festivities that ran through to December 23rd. One of the most important feasts for them was something called Juvenalia, which celebrated the children of Rome. The upper classes in Rome worshipped Mithra, who they referred to as the God of the Unconquerable Son, whose birthday for them on December 25th was the holiest day of the year. In 1659, the Puritan government of Massachusetts banned Christmas. People who celebrated were fined up to five shillings. Instead, they, they were all invited to attend Christ Mass, which eventually became called Christmas, which they celebrated at local cathedrals. In 1828, American minister to Mexico, Joel R. Poinsett, brought back a beautiful red flower called the poinsettia, eventually, a plant that adorns many places during this time of year. The Santa Claus that many children believe in comes from a combination of St. Nicholas of Myra, an early Christian bishop of the ancient Greece, who had a habit of giving, secret, of giving gifts away secretly, Sinterklaas, a legendary figure based on St. Nicholas, who was the patron saint of children, and also a poem that was written called A Visit from St. Nicholas. It was written by an Episcopalian minister, Clement Clark Moore, 
which most of you know is Twas the Night Before Christmas. <laughs> the story says that on Christmas Eve night, while his wife and children sleep, a father awakens to noises outside his house. Looking out the window, he sees Santa Claus in an airborne sleigh pulled by eight reindeer. After landing his sleigh on the roof, the saint enters the house through the chimney, carrying a sack of toys with him. The father watches Santa filling the children's Christmas stockings, hanging by the fire, and laughs to himself. To himself. And in 1863, Thomas Nast, a cartoonist for Harper's Weekly, created the image of Santa that most people are familiar with today. Second, from a biblical perspective, most people are familiar with the story of the virgin birth of Jesus conceived by Mary and the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, Isaiah says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and we and will call him Emmanuel. This is repeated in Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 to 23. It says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, he says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrath, Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. If you continue in the gospel accounts, Jesus is born in a manger, visited with gifts by the Magi or the wise men who follow a star, and all the boys in Bethlehem and and the vicinity who were two years old or younger were ordered to be killed by King Herod because of Jesus, And Jesus eventually goes to live in Nazarene with his family. So all these groups and people thought this season was about what they would receive. But can you see this season by thinking about it in a different way? The third example I'll give you is in regard to a battle that has existed from the beginning of creation. In Genesis chapter 3, after the fall of man, everyone involved... The man, Adam, the woman, Eve, and the serpent, Satan, received consequences. In verse 15, the serpent was told by God, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Now, enmity is defined as a feeling or a condition of hostility. And according to the scripture, Eve's offspring that's referred to in the scripture is Jesus Christ. So here's the challenge for us today. If you knew that your greatest opponent, your biggest enemy, was being born, how would you feel? When I was writing this, I began to think about Melissa Stover, who tortured me (laughs) through most of my elementary years. And how I would feel if I could go back in time and be present at her birth. And just kind of prevent myself from experiencing all the torture. So how do you think Satan sees this season? Is it a time when he received something or when he lost something? So now we've looked at this season through some of the traditions um, from the world. We know the perspective from the church. And we can assume how Satan felt 
knowing that his greatest opposition was being born. So with all those different perspectives about Christmas and the birth of Christ, what do you perceive about this season? Do you see it as Yuletide, as the early Europeans saw it as a time to celebrate the celebration of the wild hunt and the god Ogden? Is it time to drag in an evergreen tree and decorate it with ornaments? Is it a time to hang the holly wreaths, drink eggnog, and dance joyously with your friends and family? Do you see it with the eyes of the Romans? Is it a time to celebrate pagan gods and focus on gifts for your children like they did at Juvenilia? Do you see it as most Americans do? Is it time for a jolly large man in a red velvet suit to break into your house, eat your cookies, and leave gifts for your family while you're sleeping? It's a little creepy if you ask me. (laughs) It's a little creepy. Do you see it like the Jewish people in the Bible days? Are you looking for a Messiah or a Savior that will be a great military leader or political leader? Do you see it as the Magi who followed the star to who they believed would be the king of the Jews? Do you see it as just the birth of another baby? I bet by now many of you are starting to see it as King Herod did, that there is a looming threat to your position. Looking back, I think if Satan could give his commentary on this season, it would sound something like this. What a terrible mess. What kind of child is this? I came to steal, to take their property and everything that they hold dear. But John 3.16 says that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whomsoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Ugh! because of this child, I can't steal their stuff anymore. I came to kill, to deprive them of life. But he came to give them a new heart, to give them a new mind, to give them eternal life and life more abundantly. Because of this child, I've lost my power to kill them. I came to destroy, to reduce them to useless fragments. But first John verse chapter three, verse eight says that he that committed sin is of the devil for the devil sinneth from the beginning. Now listen to this part of the verse very closely for this purpose. The son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Because of this child, I can't destroy them anymore. Because of him, they are redeemed. Because of him, they are set free. Because of him, they are reconciled to God. Because of his birth, they win and I lose. So what do you see? Isaiah chapter 6 says, Go and tell this people, be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and their eye, their, close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. In this season, what position will you stand in? As a person looking at the sun... Will you stand in the east or the west, the north or the south? 
looking at the sun through the shades of your tradition? Or will you stand on the Son of God and see that the sun does not rise or set with the number of gifts you get, with the wave of the economy or the numbers in the Dow Jones Industrial Average? Will you be the person that sees the sun is not moving, but rather the earth is rotating, exposing the light at different times of day? Will you be the person that sees that the Son of God is not moving? He's not subject to your place, your perspective, or your culture. Will you see that he is the truth? He is constant. Matthew 4, verse 16 says, The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Do you see his light? Do you see that this season is about God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth? Do you see that this is about Jesus Christ, God's only son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, who suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried? Do you see that this season is important because on the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father? Do you see that he will come to judge the living and the dead and that we are blessed to have eternal life with God our Father because of him? I hope that you see that this season, just like back then, is about something being birthed. Something that is new, something that is different, something that is life-changing and that is a challenging answer to all that existed before. I pray that you see what the Holy Spirit has given me the eyes to see. That this season is not about your presence. It's about Jesus being born so that you could be in God's presence forever. Amen. 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 So I have this t-shirt that I bought a long time ago. And I'd had no intentions of wearing it today. And I was like, hey, it kind of makes sense. So this is just be present. So my prayer for everyone is that in this holiday season, that we don't take the perspective of the world and focus on gifts, Santa Claus or Santa Claus or any of those things. That we don't focus on ourselves that we realize that this season is about celebrating the birth of Christ our Savior and focus on understanding that the opportunity to be in God's presence forever is the greatest present that we could ever receive Amen